Hi, I'm Broadcast Sport reporter Max Miller, and this is the Broadcast Sport podcast, where we talk about the business of sport media. This week's episode is a session from the Broadcast Sport Content Summit, which was held at Doc10 Studios last month. In it, Broadcast Sport editor Jake Bickerton spoke to director of Curveball Digital Paddy Sloan about his Broadcast Sport award-winning social media campaign, the International Hockey Federation, and Little Dot Studios partnership director Katie Matthews about the social content it creates for the LTA, which has seen large growth in followers and views of the organization's social channels. media we've got two very interesting case studies coming up from curveball digital and then from little dot studios as well curveball won the best social media campaign at the broadcast sport awards last year for its work with the international hockey federation and watch.hockey on the 2022 women's hockey world cup and paddy will talk uh, some more about that shortly and for Katie, it's, uh, the focus is on their ongoing relationship with the LTA to create content for the organization's digital channels. So we'll hear a lot about those. So each speaker is going to talk specifically about how they worked with each of these clients to develop their social media strategy and enhance their social media presence and then talk about the content that was created and the approach that was taken for uh, both of these uh, clients. So, Paddy, do you want to um, kick us off? Yeah, a bit of background to this is that um, hockey and the International Hockey Federation have struggled a bit over the last few years with with broadcast revenues. And you know, if you're outside of those top kind of five or six properties now, because they've gone so big on the prices, there's not really much money left for for some of those kind of smaller sports. So they've had a bit of change of strategy, and they partnered with a tech company called Naga Kodelsky two years ago to launch what is a direct-to-consumer OTT platform, which is the, the Watchdog Hockey app. Um, so they came to us about this time last year um, wanting to use social and digital content to try and uh, build the brand of Watchdog Hockey, but also to, to kind of engage that current hockey audience and reach new audiences to try and you know protect the growth of the game because obviously, while they're not on broadcast anymore it's harder to get it in front of new people um so yeah uh, the first thing that we did was um launch brand new social accounts and i think originally what they'd wanted to do was create all of this within the fih accounts because they have hundreds of thousands of hockey followers they're a dedicated hockey fan base but when we looked into it you know in reality as far as a brand building process went and also as far as a kind of potential reach process went, it was much better for us to just start from scratch and create completely new accounts with the Watch the Hockey branding. Um, what that meant was, at the start, we were shouting into a void a bit. You know, yeah. we had no followers, we had no paid strategy. It was it was completely organic. So, um, but we were able to uh, collaborate with not just the FAH, but with the um, national federations and with the the players involved. Um, so we could get our content in front of people and we could start kind of targeting the, the, the locations and the demographics that, that we were really going after here. Um, so, yeah, and it, it also meant that we could, you know, really look after that uh, community management side of things. So we could really engage with the fans that we were bringing on board and, and kind of let them define the content strategy going forward, you know, really work out what they wanted to see and what they were lacking from, from kind of hockey content over the last, you know, 10 years. Um, so this campaign started... Um, you know, soon after we launched those accounts, it was a six-week campaign, as you saw, kind of launching two weeks before the, uh, the actual tournament. Um, 
a big part of the build-up was, was graphic design, and we worked with a few different uh, designers and illustrators to create um, content that really showed the strength and the power of these women. You know, we really wanted to show that kind of elite-level athleticism that's needed. Um, that was obviously mixed with, you know, promos and, you know, lots of video content in the build-up. Um, and then we, when the tournament started, we covered probably close to the first two weeks remotely, um, which, again, lots of, you know, VFX edits and, you know, lots of graphic design like you saw, but um, we were also able to, to clip live from the matches. And I think that's always a big question that's raised when you do anything like this is how much do you give away for free when you're asking people to, you know, pay for a service over here. So... Um, but we really wanted to <coughs> use some of those great moments uh, to create a sense of FOMO in people and really, you know, in amongst that hockey hardcore fan, it showed them they're missing out on something by not subscribing to what we're doing. So, um, yeah, we, we were using a bit of that. But, you know, I think inevitably a lot of what we were trying to do with our strategy and a lot of what worked best for us was not necessarily those, those in-match clips. It was the stuff around it. So anything that really showed you know, kind of real human emotion and anything that you could engage with even if you, you know, didn't know what hockey was and had never seen any of these people before. So there was a lot of clips that worked really, really well that were just, you know, someone in floods of tears during the national anthem or, you know, someone just in some way showing that for a lot of these women this was the, the peak of their career and the peak of their life, you know, representing their, their national team on a stage like this. And, um, you know, the Chile national team turned up and... and they didn't really have much chance of winning. They were far from favourites, but everything they did, they did with so much passion and vigour, and, you know, they had a manager who was up, down, everywhere. Um, so we made a compilation of that, and it got quote-tweeted by Gabriel Boric, the president of Chile, um, which I think kind of shows that, like, you know, it's great being able to clip up someone banging one in from 20 yards, but it has a quite narrow, you know, the hardcore hockey fans are going to love that. Outside of that, you're not reaching many people, whereas those more moments of kind of human interaction and emotion will work with anyone and you know you can you can reach much wider audiences that way and that's how we got those kind of you know those million plus clips that we were creating um so yeah when we got to the quarters semis and final that all happened in quite a short space of time all in um terrassa in spain so we sent out a crew of five people for that um we wanted to create content that hockey fans hadn't seen before and a quality of content that hockey fans hadn't seen before so you know we were on fx9 cameras telephoto lenses you know making sure that we could get the incredible shots when they were happening even if they were 100 yards away um and those teams were very much in amongst the fans the players all day long you know inside the matches outside the matches whatever they were doing they were there and you know we set up lines of communication so that if anyone did capture anything fantastic we could sprint someone over there grab a card swap one over get it into a computer and get it out so that we really were covering that in you know, a properly live environment um, and as you saw kind of in amongst all of that we were creating these programmatic content strands that you know, would run not just through this tournament but through other tournaments and through the interim and you know really fill that app with uh, VOD content which obviously it needs if you're providing a subscription service for people you can't just rely on one tournament every four months because there's a lot of dead time in between where people end up deleting the app and just forgetting it exists so Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, there was, there was a lot of content created um, and obviously we got really, really good numbers, numbers that we hadn't really seen in hockey before. Mm -hmm. um, but the real world impact was that we had almost half a million people subscribe to, <coughs> you know, sign up for it, which was, which was really huge. It was so much more than we'd, we'd expected. Um, but I think most importantly was the positivity around it. Like 
I guess hockey fans were so happy that someone was giving them love for the first time in, mm. in ages. You know, they get peaks around the Olympics, obviously, but in between, it's no one wants to look after them. So they were so thankful that someone was creating that kind of content. It was, it was you know, such nice content that they hadn't really had before. Um, that the positivity from the fans, the players, the, the clubs, the you know, national federations was so, so high. Um, and, you know, someone at the FIH who was relatively sceptical about what we were doing at the start of all of it, described what we'd done as, as created a religion around Watchdog Hockey. And, yeah. you know, that level of positivity for something like an OTT platform where people in the past have probably been able to just get hockey content through their broadcast subscription, mm-hmm. and now we're asking them to pay extra on top of it, that can come with loads of negativity. And, you know, it, it can you can quite quickly become hated. So to have that huge level of positivity and to build that kind of really, really engaged and really excited fan base that are kind of obsessed with what you're doing um, was a really, really good starting point for us. And obviously this was the first thing we'd done as this project and as these social accounts. So, you know, we've given ourselves a really, really good jumping off point now to take us to the next level. And what content are you putting on there at the moment? I mean, like you mentioned, you've got to keep keep that content going, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, so the FIH and Watchdog Hockey are now in a bit of a transitional phase where... What they'd had before, as far as kind of schedules go and how everything works, worked for broadcast. And now that they've got a, um, you know, a new strategy and a new platform, they have to completely rethink that. Mm. Um, so there's a bit of an interim period at the moment where they kind of look at what their product is and you know what their tournaments are and how they spread them. Um, but you know, like I say, th- those content strands that we first started creating, we've continued to create. You know, afterwards. So that playing for my nation show, we've been able to film with people whenever they're about. You know, with the the playing in the pro league in London, we can go and grab people. If there's minor tournaments going on, we can get people. So, you know, little shows like that have been great for you know creating short form social content, but also pushing people towards the longer form content mm. that lives within the app. So the app doesn't just sit there dormant on your phone. Yeah, and the figures may well be in your video at the start, but you said you literally started from scratch with new social accounts. So after the after the World Cup, what kind of numbers were you, were you looking at at that point? I think we started the World Cup with less than 10,000 followers. Right. Um, but like I say, I think we averaged every two days we had a video that was over a million views. And I, I don't think we would have got those numbers. And I, you know, I think we've shown in the, in the time since then that we wouldn't have got those numbers really if we'd been working on the FIH accounts, which have a million followers. Yeah. Um, just because the reach that we could get and you know how we could play the algorithm and stuff was so much better within an account like that than a federation that has to do so much other stuff. Um, I think we ended that tournament with a 500% increase in followers, so we maybe added 40 to 50,000 followers, and you put me on the spot here because I can't remember <laughs> what numbers we got. <laughs> impressive, yeah, uh, yeah. impressive uplift then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And is it continuing to grow as far as you're Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's continued to grow even if we didn't, do anything you know even in the in the pauses in between just Mm. because people are discovering that content Mm. still through through kind of discovery methods and yeah you know like i say it is in a bit of an interim period at the moment with the fih and watch the hockey they're they're fighting a little bit about you know what happens next um but yeah those accounts have continued to grow and, and hopefully this year and in the coming months we can really take that to the next level and one more question before katie um starts which particular social platform are you finding or are you finding one in particular good at engaging with I mean, is TikTok sort of the main priority at the moment or? Well, I think like with anything that we do this is you're usually trying to get people on a journey right from from seeing a piece of hockey content for the first time all the way to being a hardcore hockey fan who subscribes to the app and buys everything that you do so 
I think those different platforms don't necessarily work for kind of different demographics or anything like that. They work for different people on that journey. So right. stuff like TikTok and Instagram re Reels are so good for discovery that it's that's that's your area to get into those people who don't have a clue about hockey, and that's your area to get those real good numbers on that kind of those emotional stories that people can get excited about, and then you know maybe get a bit more interested in the sport. Mm. Whereas you know platforms like Twitter are probably better for the live events and you know stuff like YouTube if you're putting a 10 minute video on YouTube you're not watching that unless you're a hardcore hockey fan so it's almost kind of taking people along that journey as they become bigger and bigger hockey fans Excellent, um, I should remind you as well that we have Slido and I will ask uh, any questions that uh, come up on there so do feel free to, to put them up there um, Right, thanks Paddy and Katie, do you wonder, I know you've got a presentation haven't you? So. Yes, yeah, putting the slides up there, yes great um, so um, before I launch into this, probably just a quick introduction to Little Dot. Um, we are a uh, digital content agency um, helping our clients, which um, are major global broadcasters, rights holders, um, brands, um, help them to create, publish, optimise, amplify, and then monetize their digital content. Um, and we've been doing that with the LTA since uh, January of last year. Um, we work with a production company partner whisper and um, so they are responsible for making the LTAs kind of what we call hero content so slightly high production value content they do it kind of episodically throughout the year um, and little dots role is um, to support across all of the LTAs hygiene content so that is essentially all of the content that you'll see going out on the social channels day in day out so um, supporting really and being the constant kind of digital voice of the LTA on their social channels. Um, in terms of why the LTA decided to bring us on, well, it was part of their broader strategy to open tennis up in the UK. Um, I think it's you know, fair to say that tennis as a sport has perhaps suffered from um, a slight um, perception challenge in that it's been seen historically as a sport um, aimed at and for a certain demographic. Um, it's not the case. It's a sport for everyone, and the LTA are really passionate about communicating that. Um, and part of communicating that clearly is how they're doing that on their digital channels. Um, and the brief to us was to, to make tennis um, be relevant, accessible, welcoming and enjoyable. Um, in terms of the way that we're targeted, it's really about digital metrics, so views, um, engagements, followers. But clearly the whole purpose of that is to deliver a real life impact. Um, and that is around participation levels engagement in the sport, um, reputation for tennis in the UK, um, and as I've mentioned earlier, kind of that perception shift. So how do we go about that? Well, we support the LTA across all of their social channels, so we're YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, um, making the, the content. So we have a team of editors and designers um, kind of working every day to create the content that you'll be seeing going out across those platforms. We also advise on and implement optimal distribution strategies, so to ensure that the content that's getting made is being seen by the largest possible audience. Um, implement channel best practice to make sure that we're kind of working with the algorithms. Um, and all of that is underpinned by um, data insights. So a little dot uh, across all of the channels that we run, we're responsible for delivering over 7 billion organic video views every single month. Um, that is obviously an enormous amount of data points, um, and it gives us an enormous amount of insight into audience behavior, changes in viewing patterns, um, changes in um, platform algorithms, and we use all that information to inform the strategies that we then implement for our clients, including the LTA. 
what that looks like day to day. We haven't got long, so this is a pretty whistle-stop tour of the kind of the tactics that we use um, day in, day out um, when it comes to creating content. So the first tactic is reversioning hero content. So I mentioned Whisper earlier. Um, they'll be creating kind of longer form series and, and episodes. Um, the clip you're seeing now is an example of um, a, a piece that they made for... Um, it, was a, it lived on YouTube. Um, it was a piece about Jill Scott and Ellen White, the lionesses, learning to play paddle. And um, Little Dot's role in that is to take that longer form piece of content and to reversion it for use across other social platforms. Um, the video's stalled at the moment, but you'll see um, if it starts again, um, that we'll use different techniques, kind of split screens, overlaying graphics, the use of audio, um, so that the investment that the LTA have made in the longer form piece of content is um, able to be maximised by cutting that down and using it across the other social platforms. And we'll put together a distribution strategy for all of that content, um, as I say, to, to maximise the value that the LTA get from that investment. We also support the LTA in enhancing their event coverage. Um, so the LTA run and uh, own the, a series of events that take place in the UK in June, um, kind of the Wimbledon warm-up events. So uh, a great opportunity when there's more eyes on tennis anyway across the summer months. Um, a lot of the big-name players will play in these events. Um, so it's really about us helping them make the most of those opportunities, um, as well as kind of packaging up and pushing out highlights, packages, and um, match clips. We're also doing other types of content. One of those clips playing now is a behind-the-scenes edit, actually from um, inside the Davis Cup uh, British camp. Um, and you can see a couple of vertical videos that are being made that lean into social trends um, and also some event-style graphics. So, as I say, just kind of making the most of the fact that the LTA have got this excellent access um, and they've got this event window where tennis is already um, higher up the agenda in the UK um, because, as I say, it's the run-up to Wimbledon. Speaking of graphics, we have a team of designers that are creating graphics kind of, as I say, daily um, that are going out on the channels. And you think about when you're scrolling through your social feeds, you've got milliseconds really to grab someone's attention so if you're just doing graphics that are templated um, or fairly kind of standard then often you'll get people scrolling past so a lot of energy goes into creating graphics that are really eye-catching um, or bespoke um, and you can see a few examples of those on the screen at the moment and then creative use of archives so like most rights holders the LTA have a really um, a treasure trove of an archive tons of content that we've got access to um, the challenge comes with using that in a creative way and also in a way that um, kind of ticks some of the boxes I mentioned earlier in terms of those broader aims and objectives. But essentially you can see the use of graphics, text overlays, audio clips, which takes you know, pretty standard tennis footage and just creates something a bit different out of it. The next uh, example is utilising calendar moments. You know, Anyone that runs social media accounts will know this is a pretty staple part of uh, digital content plans, but things like athlete birthdays or uh, awareness days or moments of national importance. Um, again, the challenge is doing that in a way that is creative and stand out. Um, you know, when you're talking about something that's a national day or a national moment, everybody's part of that conversation. So how do we do that creatively? So what does that look like in terms of results? Well, I said at the top, we're KPI'd on those digital metrics. So um, across last year, this is the results that we saw. 50% um, increase in interactions, 30% growth in follower numbers, and 11% growth in like-for-like -like video views. It um, doesn't fully uh, incorporate kind of the explosion in reels and that we've seen on Instagram and Facebook, um, but impressive nonetheless. Um, but when we're talking about results, and as I said at the top, it's great that we're seeing those, that change in, um, in terms of the platforms and the digital metrics, but of course it's all really aimed at creating a broader impact than that. Um, and I thought it was worth just sharing these um, stats that the LTA released earlier this year about participants across 2022. Um, so some of them are on screen, but um, we saw 
uh, participation amongst adults grow um, over 40% last year. Over half a million more children were playing tennis in 2022 than 2021. 49% um, of those children were female. Um, a big increase in the number of women playing tennis and also the biggest annual increase in the number of people playing from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, and I'm obviously not here to take credit for all of that. Um, the LTA and lots of people at the LTA are doing really incredible work across the entire organisation to, uh, to achieve that. But I thought it was worth just sharing the quote that um, the LTA CEO made as part of the... Um, when they, that he put out when these results were, were made. And you can see a lot of the language that I mentioned at the top in terms of the digital strategy. So he talks about, he talks about making, <laughs> opening tennis up, he talks about making tennis more accessible, he talks about making it more inclusive and about reaching a wider demographic. Um, and as I said, a lot of those things were part and parcel of the digital strategy. It's what we're thinking about every single day when we're putting content out on the L LTA channels. You know, no content is there just because it's there. It's there to perform and serve a purpose. And we're asking ourselves that question daily. Is it doing that? Um, and, you know, it's no happy accident that what we're putting in at the top um, in terms of the digital content, the digital planning is then coming out in kind of a statement about participation levels. So, um, yeah, it's been a great partnership and it's continuing into 2023 and we're looking forward to seeing what we achieve next. Fantastic. Thanks very much for um, some really interesting case studies. Before, I've, I've got some questions. I, there's one specifically for you, Paddy, that says... What are the keys to drive people to your product via social media content? Well, I mean, look, this is, a, this is a thing that comes up all the time, whoever you work with, is I think people want to see direct click-throughs to, you know, purchase on the app. And, you know, that's not what you're trying to do here, and it's not something that's likely to happen. People don't leave their social media accounts normally. So what we're trying to do really is, is build a brand here, and we're trying to make it so that when anyone sees any hockey content, the, the, the kind of name of Watch the Hockey is completely synonymous with it. So it's much more about the marketing and the brand building and the, and the getting more people excited about these events rather than just kind of, you know, direct click-throughs you know, yeah. to the app purchasing platform. Okay, question uh, for both of you. How do you balance attracting new fans with keeping existing fans happy? Which I suppose, you know, from the LTA's point of view is... Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's obviously a, a challenge, but I think it's it's really utilising the platforms in a way that that helps you do that. So there are certain platforms that lend themselves more to talking to your existing community, and then certain platforms which lend themselves much more to reaching beyond your existing community. Um, and I think that's generally how we balance it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like I said earlier, we we tend to use certain platforms for different things, and you know. You can also create absolutely tons of content, you know, around a lot of these campaigns, and it doesn't all need to be super targeted to, you know, those hardcore who just want to hear the kind of in-depth analysis. You, you can be creating content that, you know, is attractive to, to people who, you know, don't really know the sport particularly well, but still engages those those hardcore. So yeah, I think it, it, it can be relatively easy, but you know, like we just said, it's 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 worth kind of using those platforms to the best of their abilities. Mm. And we've got uh, time for one more. There's another one that's directed uh, to you, Paddy, which um, says, did you have any challenges from the FIH regarding switching from their social channels and creating the, the new ones that you talked about, specifically for the content that you're creating? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so lots. And actually, kind of in the interim, they've, they've had us experiment with creating stuff for their channels again. And, you know, like I said, they're an international body. There's stuff that they can't do that we are able to do when we create new channels. And 
you know, when we first spoke to them, they said that during competitions like this, they might post 100 times a day. And, you know, I wasn't seeing much of that content because you're not playing into the algorithm particularly well. If you're putting out that much content, how much are you really going to see? So, um, you know, if you create something brilliant, it's going to get a bit lost. And, yeah, you know, if, if you... You know, if you want people to discover your content, you want those numbers that get really, really big outside of your current fo following, um, you need to play those algorithms a little bit. And, you know, I think we showed during this tournament and, and what we've done for them in, in subsequent tournaments that this was absolutely the right strategy. Um, and, you know, I think inevitably, whenever you do anything like this, there's people at that federation and people at, you know, the, the, the tech company and people at Watch the Hockey or whatever that, that want to be associated with great content and they want their team to be associated with great content and if they see growth happening somewhere they want that to be happening within their channels as well so it's a battle this is the right strategy and it's just kind of making sure that people understand that that is what we should be doing now Fair enough yeah. Right, brilliant thanks, thanks again for both and have a round of applause for Thanks for listening to the Broadcast Sport Podcast. You can find more of our content at broadcastnow.co.uk slash broadcast-sport. Meanwhile, make sure to subscribe and we'll see you for the next one.